Reflections for Lent 2021 Tailgating Jesus Reflection number three Transfiguration We've been following Jesus and his disciples on their journey across Israel and we're looking at some notable places and events associated with that journey. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 2, we read these words. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. The word transfiguration is unique, with a distant feel to it. It means literally a striking change of appearance. And Mark records, And Jesus' clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. The transfiguration refers to the change of appearance of Jesus on the mountain as witnessed by three of his followers, Peter, James and John. So let's enter into this unique experience of transfiguration that Mark shares with us in his Gospel. The first observation that I would like us to consider is that the experience of transfiguration came about through prayer. Jesus withdraws to a high mountain with three of his core followers. His withdrawal, his retreat with his followers, is recounted in many of the Gospels. He withdraws to be with his Father, to pray, either by himself or by the twelve disciples or a small group of disciples. Mark doesn't mention that, but in Luke's account of the Transfiguration, Luke tells us that Jesus withdrew with Peter, James and John to pray. The mountain concern is probably Mount Hermon, Israel's highest mountain at nearly 10,000 feet. It's the tallest mountain in that eastern coastland of the Mediterranean. And you recall in Mark chapter 8, Jesus and his followers had withdrawn to the region of Caesarea Philippi, which is at the base of Mount Hermon. Then six days later, he has this retreat to this high mountain to pray. And the experience of transfiguration began in prayer. Prayer is an encounter with the transcendent God. We enter into another world. We are changed and we see another perspective. This experience of transfiguration came about through prayer. Secondly, you will detect that the experience of transfiguration was timeless. Mark recounts, And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Two others appeared on the mountain with Jesus and his three followers, Elijah and Moses. These were two of the great Jewish figures from the past, Elijah, God's premier prophet, and Moses, the lawgiver. Now, both of these men had been dead for centuries, and yet here they are talking with Jesus. What were they talking about? Well, again, there is a silence in Mark's gospel as to the nature of their conversation, but Luke tells us in his gospel 
that they were talking about Jesus' exodus. That is, they were talking about the events that would surround Jesus' death, resurrection and ascension, which was to take place at some point in the future. Now, the experience of transfiguration is one of timelessness. It speaks eloquently of the eternal God. The writer to the Hebrews in the New Testament puts it like this. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. You'll find that in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. Thirdly, we discover in this account by Mark of the transfiguration that the experience of transfiguration was beyond human comprehension. Here are the three disciples with Jesus and then these two figures from the past. And Mark recounts Peter's reaction. Peter said to Jesus in verse 5 of chapter 9, Rabbi, that is teacher, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Peter's impromptu suggestion to build three temporary shelters depicts that he's clearly out of his depth. This experience was beyond him. It was terrifying to the three men. It defied comprehension. And fourth, we see in the experience of transfiguration that it was rooted in God. For, as Mark recalls, verse 7, and a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them, but Jesus only. A cloud envelops the three men and Jesus. Now, Jewish readers were well aware that in the Old Testament, in their Bible, the clouds signified the presence of God. And no wonder the disciples were terrified, for they were entering into God's presence. And out of the cloud, a voice is heard. This is my son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. This was none other than the voice of God. And after the voice had spoken, the disciples were with Jesus alone. And as they descended from the mountain, they get this instruction from Jesus. In verse 9, as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is part of what's called the messianic secret in Mark's gospel. The silence of these hidden revelations and hidden declarations that we have already noted. How does the experience of transfiguration touch our lives? We went on that mountain top with Jesus and Elijah and Moses. Well, we know the experience of the transfiguration was for the benefit of 
Peter, James and John. They saw it, felt it, heard it on that mountain. Some 30 years later, Peter, writing to a Christian community in modern-day Turkey, spoke of it as the following. We were witnesses to his majesty, that is Jesus' glory. We heard heaven's voice. We were with him on the sacred mountain. You'll find that in the second letter of Peter, chapter 1 and verses 16 to 18. Do you see what Peter is saying? On the reflection 30 years later of what the transfiguration was about, it was for us. Yes, it was for Peter, James and John, but it's also for modern-day disciples of Jesus, his 21st century followers. For the transfiguration is contemporary. It is timeless. For Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And the transfiguration is about another perspective, isn't it? It's about eternity, past, present, future. It's about God's plan of salvation in Christ, his death, his rising, his ascension, and his return in glory to the earth. And it's about Christ's glory, his majesty, the weight and substance of the incarnate Son of God. And it's about entering in, believing the eyewitness account of these men, Peter, James and John. There are times in all of our lives, personal, our family, our church life, our national life, when we need to be reminded of the truths contained in the transfiguration. And he was changed. I wonder, in reflection, will we be changed as we consider the transfiguration?